Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Tuesday, July 12, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com. Use offer code TNT7. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Aya Zachter. And I'm Jason Howell. And joining us today, Editor-in-Chief of PCMag.com, Lance Ulanoff. But not for much longer. You're you're moving on. That's right. That's right. After a decade, a decade back, actually, I've had 16 years with this brand, uh, and it's time to, as I said in my column today, turn the page. I'm um, kind of excited about whatever comes next. Uh, this brand is doing well. My the new editor in chief. I don't know if you've met him. Maybe you have. Maybe you've had him on the show. You should. No, we haven't uh, yet. But I would like to have him on definitely. Dan Costa, um, guy I hired a while ago, uh, been here five years, runs the whole reviews group in the labs, uh, super bright, great writer, great strategic thinker. So I feel like I'm leaving the place in really good hands. And, uh, you know, a little bit of me feeling like my work here is done and uh, I must bring, bring my good works to other places. Well, we're sorry to see you go, uh, but definitely a long history there at, at yeah. PC Mag. You're you're only the fifth editor, is that right? There, there, Dan. Yeah, Dan is now the sixth. There, apparently, we had a discussion. You know, Michael Miller was the editor in chief for 14 years, and we had a little chat among editor in chiefs. And apparently, there was this little cabal of editors in the early 80s, none of which were the editor in chief after David Bunnell. Uh-huh. So no one really knows if there were extras. Uh, but <laughs> was yeah, it, it was like a, Roman times when they're you know. <laughs> right. It's a it's a it's a rarefied group. I'm very proud. Honestly, I'm very proud to have uh, served here. I did this job for a little over four years, you know, and so not quite half the amount of time I was here. Uh, actually got to rebuild the PCMag.com website when I came on board in 2000. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's difficult to go because I love the place and I love the people, but I know it's time. And, uh, you know, you'll, you know, nothing is going to slow this brand down, PCMag.com. And, you know, you will be hearing a lot more from me. Well, I, I hope so. And I hope we'll, we'll still be able to have you on TNT. I, I assume you're not, you know, disappearing or anything. I am. Like I am that. absolutely not. I'm going to take a little time. Uh, without yeah. a doubt, uh, I, I've got an opportunity to take some time. But, you know, I'm looking to get right back into this industry that I love and uh, I'll be happy to come on here and and bore you to tears again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll be happy to have you back. I'm very excited to to find out where you end up next. And uh, of course, welcome to the Touched by Ziff Davis can't you know, <laughs> right. uh we we were going around in the pre- in the meeting well i as you worked for pc mag for a little, yeah, a little three while, months yeah, three or four months uh sarah you worked for tech tv you so know after ziff davis got rid of it but it, it, but it was the, the legacy the ZDTV jason crew. you worked for ZDNet. was your first job yeah at, at cnet at ZDNet, ZDNet doing podcasts also a legacy of, yeah. ZDNet. of course i worked for ziff davis back in the day so did leo uh back in the ZDTV days so it's 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 nice over here lance <laughs> it, it, there's, there's life after ziff davis it's, yeah. a good, it's a good club yeah 
Come join the if club. If you're in good company. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's get to some news. Uh, Netflix made a big w- announcement today that they are officially separating their DVD and their streaming uh, g- programs. Now, when they first announced these a long time ago, you got a certain number of hours based on how many DVDs you had. So if you mm-hmm. had a three DVD plan, you got three hours of Netflix streaming a month, so on and so on. They got rid of that, that and it was only unlimited streaming, and you got it with every plan you had. And then the last iteration, they added a streaming only plan so if you didn't want any dvds at all now they're splitting it up they're saying look eight dollars a month for unlimited dvds one at a time or eight dollars a month for unlimited streaming but they're not both together so if you do want to continue to have dvds and streaming you got to pay 1598 so it's a a couple pennies under just uh yeah they're, well separately. they're combining the 799 it's like what's one of them well one's 799 the other 799 oh i see so, okay yeah and um, you know don't forget netflix streaming does not have all the latest movies so people a lot of people still need both of those yeah. pro the both of those plans to access the latest films and they'll get them through dvd if they want to remain a netflix member it's going to get a lot more expensive for some people i think yeah. i think what this also means is netflix is looking at their numbers and saying people want both so we're just going to start charging them double because those are the plans that a lot of people end up choosing. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense for them in a lot of different ways. It obviously points out why they got rid of the DVD queue option from their iPad app. They're saying, hey, if you're streaming on the iPad, you're just a streaming customer is what we're guessing. And they're moving these divisions to set they're basically spinning out the DVD division to a separate part of Netflix. And I think it's smart. They're identifying, saying, look, there's people who watch DVDs and there's people who stream. The people who stream really don't use the DVDs. That's our case. It's going to save us money because we pay $10 a month to have a one DVD plan with the streaming. We never switched when they introduced the streaming only plan. This will force us to switch. We'll switch to the $7.99 plan. We'll save a couple bucks a month. I imagine a lot of people who consume this mostly by streaming are going to do the same thing. But it's probably gonna it's probably gonna force a few other people to say, well, I'm gonna go to DVD only because I never stream. So the weird thing is, this is like one of the first few times where I've seen a lot of negative press around Netflix. People are saying, how come they're not grandfathering the old accounts? And if you have a current account, the new rates go into effect at September 1st. And if you're a new subscriber, that the, these plans are ASAP right now. Yeah. And so the weird thing is, I mean, Netflix has had a lot of goodwill. You know, they've done a lot of things where they have had outages, and they say, you know what, we'll give you credits. Or they they've always handled their themselves very well in the press. This is yeah. one of the first times. Like on Twitter, people are ticked off at this company for effectively doubling rates for them. Well, that's, wouldn't that's you be it, if yeah. you had DVD yeah. and streaming mm-hmm. option? I would be. I mean, I, I use yeah. instant streaming only, but um, my mom uses both. I mean, She's I have, probably not going to use it at all now. Yeah, we have both, actually. We have the one DVD out a month plan that's, and then the streaming. And, uh, you know, we over the last six months, we've watched two DVDs. But still, for me to, <laughs> to, to think, no, no DVDs as an option right. or the alternative. I, of paying X amount of dollars more. I don't know if it's worth it yet. I'm going to have to figure that out, I guess. You, you know, Netflix has a pretty good library of old crap. I mean, of old movies. They have a, a good library, but they don't have the new stuff. And really, what's going to happen is people are going to drop DVDs completely, which would make Netflix probably very happy because it's expensive. It's, it's, it's a cost-intensive operation. Uh, and they're going to switch to all streaming. The problem for Netflix is that you know, they, they're going to have a big problem competing. You know, right now, you know. 
they do not have the latest movies on their streaming only service, right? They simply do not. In fact, they've lost some stuff as they try and make deals with these major companies, the major media companies. uh, They're losing out because they can't pay enough to get the latest movies. Who has the latest movies on streaming options? Amazon, Apple TV, which by the way, are growing some pretty good libraries of their own. And Amazon, if you're on Amazon Prime, you've kind of got all you can eat for like $75. You do like a bunch of different stuff. Uh, Apple TV, you're, you're basically buying, you rent one movie at a time. I mean, Netflix is in trouble. Why are they not handling this as well? They can't afford to handle it as well anymore. They've got to make money. They've got to ensure their longevity. I don't know if this is going to do it, but this is the first real sign that there is trouble in the Netflix house. I think this is a direct result of them anticipating the increased cost. Because of what you're saying, Amazon is going to be in the market bidding for this. Uh, iTunes, Apple's already out there. More and more services are out there hulu bidding for the rights to these things netflix knows they they've they've had a free ride up till now and they have to raise their prices to compensate this this separation says look we need to monetize every single stream out there separately so we have enough money to pay for these rights and if we do this it'll make sense if you get a enough people paying eight dollars a month for the streaming they know that that's where their future is this dvd business they don't want to admit it is a sunset business it's something that's been going Mm -hmm. down and it's going to continue to go down so the question is are people going to be so upset by this that they'll cancel their subscriptions in which case you're right netflix is absolutely in trouble or is it just one of those cases where people complain about a price going up but like the service well enough that they they figure a way around it. Maybe they cancel one service or another. Netflix doesn't care if you cancel your DVD service and keep the streaming service. It saves them money, like you're saying. They don't have to send out a bunch of DVDs anymore. They don't have to maintain that section well, of the it, account. Well, if you only use the DVD service, you actually make out, right? Because before, they were bundled together, right. and it was, what, 10 bucks it's or something? It's only if you're using both that your price is going to go up. Yeah. Right. And so the people what? who are continuing to use both or want the option, as Jason does, to continue to use both are the ones that are going to be complaining the loudest because they're getting a price hike. They're getting a doubling almost. But those are also probably the people who want the biggest collection of movies available on demand, and they will be the ones who are looking elsewhere if Netflix can't keep their library. This is a good time for competitors. I mean, today's like the first day where I looked at Blockbuster's website forever, and I was like, okay, how does the site even work? But I had to look at it, and they they have competitive plans. And then I was thinking maybe streaming plus Redbox options, because you also, I mean, there are a lot of... There's a lot of competition in the DVD space, so you can probably come up with a combination that's going to work for you. I might just go with streaming and Redbox at the end of the day. Does does the fact that Netflix now has a specific service dedicated, I guess they kind of did before if you did streaming only, but now anybody that streams has to be in the streaming tier, does that give them a bargaining chip going forward with some of these distribu- distributors of films to be able to say, look, th- we have this X amount of people that are willing to stream the movies, and you know, whereas otherwise maybe it was lumped in with this this number that's kind of DVDs, kind of streaming. Now they know we've got this many people streaming. Uh, is that worth something to you? Does that give them I, a bargaining chip, you think? I, I think Netflix has known and, and has made it very clear to people the number of people they have streaming movies. And it is a big bargaining chip for them of when they go to the studios. The right. problem is that the amount of money the studios want is more than Netflix may be able to pay. Its competitors, Amazon, Apple, Google have very deep pockets, so they don't blink 
or, or do anything except pay when the studio says, this is how much you'll have to pay to get these first run movies. This is how it's going to work. Netflix is, is, is nervous here. So it's, a, it's kind of this imbalance with all of these. They have the biggest service out there as far as the number of subscribers. And then their profitability, which they are profitable, but their their amount of money they have to spend is relatively small. And the other big issue, and this is something I pointed out in my column, is that the barrier to entry to switch services is nil. There is no. There's no hump to get over. You just basically turn on your television set and look through the different services and pick one. Or you go on Amazon, which collects up a couple of different services. Um, I'm sorry, your Apple TV. You know, you can go there, you know, $99 for that box and you're in business. I mean, there's, it's so easy to switch away from Netflix. I just don't see how they're going to survive. I, I think they will survive, but I think it's going to be rocky until they start to throw down some dough. And and Reed Hastings is clever. He may already have the dough in the in the bank to start getting some of that better selection. Uh, and like I said, if they can if they can survive the transition, we'll have to wait and see. AT and T reveals their first two LTE devices. AT and T's been marketing 4G for a while, but they mean HSPA plus, not LTE. LTE is the faster of the services. Now they say they are going to bring a mobile hotspot called Elevate 4G for $70 on contract uh, to you. That That's one of those hotspots that allows you to share over Wi-Fi with five different devices. And an LTE modem called the USB Connect Momentum 4G for 50 bucks on con- on contract. Both have $50 mail-in rebates. Uh, AT&T also says they're going to release 20 4G devices by the end of the year, some of which will be LTE. So <laughs> they can call HSPA plus 4G stuff and confuse the issue, but we are finally seeing some LTE modems coming to AT&T. The question is, where are you going to be able to use them? AT&T doesn't have LTE service yet uh, anywhere. They do say they're going live by the end of the summer in Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. I mean, do you yeah, think for consumers, way behind. For consumers, is this going to matter? I mean, do, do they even realize that they're not getting LTE right now on AT&T, or are they just thinking 4G? Everything is 4G with AT&T. They use both technologies to say it's 4G. Is anyone but us going to notice this? Well, if they don't actually have it, they'll notice, right? If they're not actually – I mean, if it's not available anywhere. You know, the, the, the fact of the matter is that Verizon is way ahead in this game, right? They've got LTE. You know what we consider the real 4G. You know, who's to say what the real 4G is? But you know it when you use we it because of up. the speed. Uh, Verizon is in a lot of places. We just did the fastest uh, mobile broadband test. PC Mag just did it, where we drove around the country with phones and tested it. And Verizon is kicking butt. I mean, they're super fast, and they've got some real availability. So I think people are going to notice that difference. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna compare speeds with their Verizon buddies is what's going to happen. You should, you should, as a consumer, if you don't already, ignore the term 4G. It's meaningless. It's absolutely worthless. If you go to a store and somebody says, hey, it's 4G, ask them what the hell that means, because it, it can mean all sorts of different things. They've bankrupted it of any kind of information. Uh, which brings us to the touchpad 4G from HP, which will run on AT&T. 1.5 gig Gigahertz processor. It's tablet compared to the uh, Wi-Fi only version, which only has 1.2 gigahertz. And TIMN thinks the touchpad is going to be on the HSPA Plus network. So even though they call it 4G, it'll be on HP the slower actually um, ha- released a, an actual press release saying yes, the touchpad 4G is, is HSPA yeah. Plus. So there's an example of when they say 4G. Find out what they really mean. <laughs> Apple's lawyers uh, used to be Samsung. Samsung doesn't like it. Apple's lead patent counsel is leaving, but they've already replaced them. It's, it's lawyer mania. 
in Apple patent land right now. Here's the scoop. Reuters reporting Apple's senior patent attorney, Richard Lutton Jr., leaving Apple. He was in charge of iPhone-related properties, so he's been busy. You'd think, oh, that's that's bad. Why is he leaving? They've already announced B.J. Watrous will replace him. Watrous was once the deputy general counsel for HP, so... This was obviously planned. They have somebody in the wings ready to take over. They're not missing a beat. However, at the same time, Samsung, in their dispute with Apple, has asked the court to remove Apple's outside legal team. These are their consulting lawyers, Bridges and Mavrakis, because Bridges and Mavrakis worked with Samsung previously. Now, Bridges claims that technology evolves so quickly that the time spent on Samsung's side of the battle is irrelevant now and that, quote, prior representation of Samsung was not substantially related to the current matter. Samsung, on the other hand, says, yeah, the prior representation we're referring to was early this year, early 2011. So it's not that far away. And back then, Samsung was in the trenches with Sony Ericsson over a patent that has since been added to the Apple countersuit. So it sounds to me like Samsung's got a leg to stand on here. Yeah, this could be a problem. I mean, when there's a, a conflict of interest, you sometimes need the permission of both parties to continue. And surely Samsung doesn't want this to go, go through. So maybe, uh, maybe Apple's got to switch some legal counsel. I mean, how can you unknow what you know, right? If it's the same person and they were representing one and then they're going to represent the other, even if it's not exactly the same case, if there's some crossover in the technology concerns... You know, if it's the same lawyer, yeah, they can't talk about what they heard from the other person. But in their head, it's there and it's going to shape their argument. It's going to shape how they attack uh, in the lawsuit. It's, you know, I guess maybe there aren't that many lawyers out there, you know, in Silicon Alley and, uh, you know, (laughs) out in in Korea. I don't know how this happens. There were a lot of lawyers to choose from. Uh, You would think they could find people who hadn't worked on similar cases. I'll tell you or how it happens. Apple, <laughs> Apple knows. Yeah, that yeah. Lance, exactly what you said, is that maybe you're not allowed to tell us what Samsung may have told you, but it will be in your head, and it will help you fight for our honor. Now, it certainly could be fair if, if uh, Bridges says, look, we have entirely different staff members working on these two cases. And I don't know if that's the case or not. Where it does get tricky is Samsung's also asking that anyone who worked it with Bridges and Mavrakis be removed from the case. And yeah, that would be all of Apple's lawyers. That's where they get a little crazy. I mean, the thing is, this is something that you have to deal with as a lawyer. This is just ethics. You have to be able to separate these things in your mind. You're not supposed to let this stuff influence you. It's just, this is just part of the job. This is indicative of how dirty this fight is getting. You know, when Apple said that Samsung slavishly copied its, you know, its designs and interfaces, you know, that's, that's more than just lawyers speak. I mean, that's a slap. And I think that these two companies are just going to get down and dirty to fight this battle out. It's going to get much worse before it gets better. Uh, And it's unclear, you know, it's, you know, we're trying to think about, I had this conversation the other day, like, who really owns this stuff? Like, can we, can we all stand around and say, you know what? I never saw an interface like that before I held an iPhone in my hands. Now, I can almost say that's true because I do remember how it felt to touch and use one of those devices. But does that mean you would you invented this thing that no one could ever come up with a similar idea? I don't know. I don't know. It looked kind of like a Palm Pilot to me, just prettier. 
except it worked completely differently. Uh, and you touched it with your finger. I guess that's a significant difference. All right, let's take a, a quick break and thank our sponsor, Squarespace.com. Let me tell you, if you, you've heard me go on and on about Squarespace on this show and how you should sign up and try them out. I use them. Uh, we used them last night. This is one of the ways Squarespace makes your life so dang easy. Uh, we recorded our Sword and Laser episode. Uh, we got done. We wanted to get it up as, as fast as possible because of the uh, release of A Dance with Dragons by George R. R. Martin today, which was on the show. And I was able to go into Squarespace cut and paste from Google Spreadsheets, which does weird stuff to your text when you cut and paste it, slap it into the Squarespace interface, and using the WYSIWYG editor, within five minutes I had slapped that stuff back together, put in links, made stuff bold. I know HTML, but it would have been a lot slower for me to hand code that, or try to hand mark up that stuff. But in Squarespace's interface, I was up and going in no time. Veronica edited the, the, the episode, it was posted, done, we were we were up within a half an hour, and that, and Squarespace helped to make that possible. And we have a pretty popular episode right now, but we're not worried that it's going to get swamped because Squarespace has reliable hosting. They give you the bandwidth that you need when you need it. So why not go try them out for free right now? You don't need a credit card. You don't need an obligation. You can import your current blog. And even if you use them for a little while and decide you don't want to use them anymore, you can take your data with you. There's no risk to it. Sign up right now, squarespace.com. Use the offer code TNT7, and you get 10% off for six months if you decide to keep the service. And we thank Squarespace. We love Squarespace. We thank them for their support of Tech News today. Big day for operating system news. Windows operating system slides below 90% market share for the first time since it climbed above 90% market share. According to Net Applications, uh, Windows is now 88.29% of all the operating systems out there. OS 10 rose from 5% flat to 5.37%, so a small rise, uh, followed then by iOS with 2.63%, Java ME with 1.12%, Linux with 095 we'll just round it up to 1%, and then Android is back there uh, behind as well. Lance, do you, do you think including these mobile OSs in here is watering this down? Is that what explains Microsoft's drop? And if so, does that make any difference? Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely the penetration that's that's happening the fastest is on the mobile side. iOS is on, you know, multiple devices, especially the iPad, you know, 25, nearing 30 million sold in a relatively short period of time. That's got to move the bar somewhat. And of course, you know, uh, millions and millions or maybe it's 100 million uh, iPhones sold, uh, all running the same platform. Uh, and, and my gut reaction is that, oh, no, no, you can't. But it's not fair. Those are not desk. That's not desktop operating system. But then when I think about what I do on my iPad, you know, I do my email, I do some writing, I do web browsing, I do video. I'm doing all the same stuff I'm doing, say, on a laptop that would be running Windows. So I think it's valid and it actually is worrisome. And, and let's not forget that Microsoft is working diligently on a version of Windows 7 that looks a lot like Windows 7 mobile. In other words, trying to make it a lot more like a mobile OS because they feel this. They feel this pulling away that's happening. And I and I think uh, it, it's it's fair after we talked yesterday on the show about the fact that more and more people are using a phone as their main internet connection, 
to to count all of this stuff together. It's the operating system of your computer, whether that computer is small, right. medium, or or large size. Well, I wonder though, like if if they are counting Linux as this very small percentage, what should they count something like a TiVo that runs Linux? Should they be counting more devices that run these operating systems that you never even consider as an actual Linux box? Because that thing is on everything. Sure. And the fact that Android gets broken out of Linux was even stranger to me because it's based on it. So why not include them together? So well, I mean, you can it's, it's statistics. You uh, can make it say embedded, anything. Embedded OSs don't offer you the same flexibility. So I actually do think it's an apples and oranges uh, uh, conversation there because uh, you know TiVo may be running a, you know a little bit of Linux in the background, but you are doing sort of this directed thing with that box. You know maybe there's some widgets that go here and there, but it's not flexible. It's not at all like uh, your phone or your laptop or or your iPad. Uh, so I, I I think this is actually valid. I feel kind of sad for Linux. You know all these years out in the market and it still hasn't creeped above zero uh, point whatever percent. The more interesting question for me, though, and this is the scariest part for Microsoft, is what percentage of Windows users are still running Windows XP? And Windows XP has got a market-leading 51% of personal computers, if you actually uh, look at this data. And Stephen Rose, IT Community Manager for Windows, said... XP is going to end in about a thousand days, less than a thousand days, actually. April eighth, twenty fourteen. We are ending support for Windows XP. It's after a kill switch. The, after that, it's like yeah. the wild west of malware. And It'll still work. Well, it's and just, they, you know, work. they don't support Windows ninety eight anymore. They, there's an end of life to support for these things at a certain point, but. Usually, when you reach this close to the end of life, the percentage is much lower. People say Windows XP just works. I've had, I've written columns. I've said, please stop using Windows XP. I've begged people. I And what I get is I get a lot of angry email from small business people running tiny shops where they don't have a lot of money. You know, a, a bad economy does not help this situation. They're not upgrading their computers. This OS simply works and runs the applications oftentimes that are just for their business that they need. So they're not changing anything. They'll vacuum the thing out if they need to. They'll keep it running as they have to uh but it's crazy because they won't let go there there are a lot of internet cafes internationally where windows xp is pretty slick and they're not they're they're not upgrading i mean they're lucky if they have it i'm serious yeah well we'll see april 8 2014 is a little farther off probably than than it's than it might seem when you say less than a thousand days but uh we'll see how many folks are continuing to stick with windows xp once windows 8 comes up because i mean how long can you expect microsoft to continue to support at that point a three version old operating system well, I mean, they, they have so many options out. I mean, consumers have a lot of options out there right now. I mean, you how often do you see an ad for something brand new and you're like, hmm, Windows XP, not so hot anymore. My machine's really slow. And a lot of people won't go through the effort of reinstalling the operating system so it runs fast again. So a lot of yeah. people just eventually, I mean, XP's long in the tooth. People are just going to actually probably switch machines instead of just upgrading an operating system. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that, you know, we're a group of, of tech tech people, right? And when when Aya says a lot of people, he's talking about our people, because the fact of the matter is most people don't care. They're not looking at the next big thing going, oh, darn, I wish I could run it. What they're doing is going, I hope I can continue to run the thing I've been running since 1999. Yeah. That's what I hear every day. And the ability to allow manufacturers to continue to sell XP for longer after Vista came out is going to come back to bite Microsoft in that. Yeah, case, those think. darn netbooks. Yeah, 
All right, uh, real quickly, uh, looks like there's some weird code in Windows 8. Win Rumors reports references to, quote, Xbox 360 system crash and Xbox 360 system crash reserved in the Windows 8 kernel code, making everybody wonder, are we going to, does this mean we're going to be able to run Xbox games on the Windows 8 machines? Does this mean that the Windows 8 machine is going to control the Xbox remotely? I mean, we have been hearing about integration of live Xbox Live with PCs. Uh, what do you What do you think? I ask. Well, I mean, Microsoft's own president of, of its phone division, Andy Lees, has said this. He goes, "We are bringing together all of the devices into a unified ecosystem. Our strategy is that these new form factors are within a single ecosystem rather than different ecosystems." I mean, it makes a lot of sense for Microsoft mm. to actually that, that ends a quote. It makes a lot of sense for Microsoft to actually go, "Hey, look, we have a really successful thing with Xbox 360. Why not marry it with our PC gaming, which is." very very successful why not do that it makes a lot of sense for microsoft that's been so they've always been so uh what's the word insular in their own teams right they've always been fighting each other but for them to work together that's actually a bold new move for microsoft it's important you know microsoft is right i i went to uh windows 7 pdc conference some years ago when they first showed off the interface and were like that's great they're really doing a lot of stuff what are you doing with windows mobile how's it going to work with it uh we don't talk to them where nothing was like we've nothing. never heard of windows mobile yeah <laughs> nothing. they had no plans uh they definitely are talking now um the use of the word ecosystem uh very important because when people talk about apple and its success we talk about the ecosystem if microsoft can get this right it's going to be huge when the first time i saw uh, the Xbox integration on Windows Phone 7, I said, this is critical. You get this going, this is going to be why teens, young adults start to adopt these phones en masse. I mean, they haven't moved fast enough on it, but I think they're going to get going. Now, this last story we could spend an entire show on, uh, so we'll try to move through it as quickly as possible. Just get everybody's opinion. Uh, let me set it up for you, though. Andre Vrigno uh, is from Seattle. He works in the interactive entertainment industry. He's worked for Intel, Microsoft. Xbox, Amazon. He is now a consultant doing game platform strategy and media PR consulting for a variety of firms. Why am I telling you this about this guy you've never heard of? His Comcast internet connection has been cut off for a year as of today. Here's why. He had a 15 megabyte down, 3 megabyte up home Comcast broadband service. Last month it was shut off for exceeding the 250 gigabyte month data cap policy. Called him up. Uh, He asked, how did I reach that cap? They're like, we can't tell you that. But if it happens again... We'll be cutting you off for a year. So they gave him a warning. But they he, didn't tell him what he was doing. He went back and said, well, okay, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, I'm going to close down my open Wi-Fi access that I had for guests. That sucks. Talk to my roommates. Tell them to be careful. You know, let's keep an eye on the cap. Next month gets a cut off again. Calls Comcast. They're like, yeah, you went over the 250 gigabyte cap. He's like, I don't see how that could happen. Turns out upload is counted towards that cap as well as download. And since he was taking advantage of lots of cloud services, including specifically Carbonite and Amazon's new music service, and because he's a photographer who likes to store images in raw file format and he uses high-level compression for his music, things like FLAC, he was sending a lot of data upstream and went over the cap again. He called back to Comcast, tried to explain what happened. They said, nope, no appeal. You're off. You're off for a year. A year. What is wrong with them? To add insult to injury, 
when he said, fine, I guess I need to cancel the account, they sent him to customer retention. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where they started to go through the, was there any right. way we could convince you to stay? He's like, well, yeah. Oh, well, don't let, do this. You know, yeah. let me still have the internet, and I'll still pay you for it. Oh, man. Uh, he posted on his own blog, Ozymandias, at uh, Ozymandias.com. It was picked up by Kotaku and lots of other Gawker properties. Uh, it's making the way uh, around the, the country right now, around the internet right now. The country of the internet, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so let's, let's start with you, Lance. What, what's your take on this? Is is this going to spark a revolution against these bandwidth caps? Is this the shot heard around the world? He's certainly not the first person to get cut off. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the first person, but it's first that I've really heard about. I mean, I, I got to say, it makes Comcast sound like pure evil. Uh, you know, this is ridiculous. It's like he committed some sort of crime. But this is just the tip of the iceberg here. You know, we spent all that time talking about Netflix earlier and, you know, watching movies and streaming from various services. By the way, we're streaming all HD. You know, I just watched a movie last night. I was marveling how good it looked. It was at least 720p, going to be getting 1080i, 1080p. Those are big fat files, all right, coming down. But by the way, the cloud is all about pushing up, right? Store your stuff in the cloud. It's great. Don't worry about it. That's what everybody's telling us. That's what Apple's telling us, which, by the way, gives you five gigabytes for free, which is nothing, all right? Nothing. It's a very small amount. People have massive one terabyte hard drives at home. They can start trying to back these things up and they're gonna be playing games, watching video. This is not going to stand, it's not going to work. You know, there's a disconnect between customers and the ISPs and, you know, I don't know if it's about these guys wanting to get paid or they refuse to build the infrastructure, but consumers are going to be in a revolt because they're being told by companies that the cloud is going to support them, that they're going to be able to enjoy the content the way they want, where they want, when they want, just stream it, watch it, do it. And it's not going to work because one day someone's just going to pinch the thing off and you go, what happened? I, I, it drives me insane. Sarah Lane, are we headed for a cloudopolis? Well, that's the that's the the issue I have with this is that Andre isn't doing anything that I find really outside the norm. Totally. I mean, he's using cloud services. He's a good uh, backer upper. Uh, he's using Carbonite because he wants to stay safe, and he's getting cut off for a year off of the internet. And even after saying, "No, no, no," here's what I'm doing. These are all legitimate services <laughs> that are that are that are that are supposed to supposed to help my uh, experience and help me be happy to pay Comcast to have access every month. And Comcast saying, "Yeah, we hear you, but no, you still can't have internet for a year." That's like it is like it's it's like going to prison. Sort of. I can't understand the business move by Comcast. Like, okay, fine. You want to have a data cap? Why not have a larger cap? Charge this guy more money if you want to make money on this. Why just eliminate a customer like this? That makes no sense in, in, in a business sense. I'm just having trouble figuring out. Comcast will either send this guy to a competitor or they they have to. And we know how Comcast does PR. They usually are miserable at it. So <laughs> this is going to blow up in their but, face but anyway. But they'll just have more of these people. I mean, this is just going to yeah. keep happening. Yeah. But I mean, well, is, is it likely that people are going to use? Use raw files instead of JPEGs. Are they going to use uh, flat files if, and MP3s? Even if I mean, they just, don't. there's just more saying, uploading going. He's slightly on. more unusual yeah. than yeah, he's the, the average uh, customer. He's the canary in the coal mine. He's the right. he's the outlier. But but we buy 16 megapixel digital cameras now, right now. Right, we're uploading uh, five megabyte files, or you know, we, you know, we're soon going to have images that are going to be nearing a gigabyte probably. All of our movies, you know, you shoot with a flip camera, you shoot with one of those old devices, you can shoot in 1080p. You know, if it, if the movie is is uh, an hour it's a gigabyte you know and how many movies do you have of your kids i did find it interesting though that comcast wouldn't tell him 
what exactly he had done. Like they wouldn't give him the details. And that's kind of interesting to me. Does Comcast know what's in the files he's uploading and downloading? And are they seeing something that they consider illegal activity, activity that goes outside the boundaries? You know, because really they should have said, okay, so you're a certain kind of person. We're going to recommend you use a more expensive service. All right, we're going to work with you on this. Instead, they shut him down yeah. like he's a criminal. What did they see in those files that they won't tell him that they saw that bothered them so much? I don't think they saw anything. The, I think what this points out is the glaring hole in competition we have in the United States. Folks in Canada, folks in Australia, New Zealand, they understand this problem because they've been dealing with these bandwidth caps for a long time. But these bandwidth caps are false. They are not necessary to preserve the operation of the Internet by ISPs. They're put in place as money makers by myopic ISPs that actually don't want to manage their network the way they would need to if they faced any kind of competition. This is going to start happening more often. You're going to see more editorials like you did from the Netflix general counsel in Washington Post on Friday. You're going to see the rousing of companies like Apple and Amazon and Google to fight against this. There's going to be a war on in the next couple of years about the lie behind bandwidth caps and why it's it's not necessary to create a business model for the ISPs. It'll be interesting to watch. Let's move on to the news feed. HP's doing a little streamlining. Stephen DeWitt is now the senior VP of WebOS. He's replacing John Rubenstein, who helped create WebOS for Palm and the iPod for Apple. Don't forget that. Rubenstein will become senior VP of product innovation in HP's personal systems group. And some bad news for you, Palm fans. The Palm division has been renamed. That's one less Palm name that's out there now as it slowly dies off. It's now the WebOS Global Business Unit. Oh, but that rules off the tongue so much better. WebOS. WebOS. R.I.P. Palm. GBU. I've got good news and I've got bad news for file sharing website Hotfile. The good news, a federal judge dismissed direct copyright infringement charges against the site because direct infringement requires a volitional act. Here's the bad news. Secondary liability charges haven't been dismissed, and the case will proceed to see if Hotfile induces its users to commit copyright infringement. Come on over here. Infringe something. (laughs) Facebook just launched its Facebook for Every Phone app aimed at feature phones. The free Java app will be compatible with over 2,500 phones. Facebook partnered with carriers around the world to get free data access to the app for 90 days. So you'll have access to your news feed, photos, and more on your non-smartphone. Maybe even your kin? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Low, I, had to, I had to just stomp. But it got an Knife in the heart. Right in the it's kin. Facebook now. Five kin users <laughs> right now are really upset with you. Sorry, guys. Oh. oh. Okay, we know you're sick of the constant attention that Microsoft's Worldwide Partnership <laughs> Conference gets. <laughs> but Microsoft showed off four Mango phones from Samsung, Fujitsu, Acer, and ZTE. The Samsung model featured a front-facing camera, while the Fujitsu model was dashing in a pink number. It's also waterproof. Nokia's C-Ray prototype did make an appearance, but Marketing Magazine reported a rumor that Nokia plans to spend 80 million pounds on advertisements for Windows phones starting in October. 
All right. The Associated Press reports that Amazon filed a petition for referendum with the California Attorney General's office on Friday. What does this mean? Well, the petition is asking voters to overturn the California law that forces online retailers to collect sales tax. Amazon decided to kill its affiliate program for California, along with a few other states, after that particular law was passed, according to the Performance Marketing Association of 200,000 affiliates in the United States. California has 25,000 of them. So maybe that affiliate program... And we'll return. Tom, I know that would make you happy. I would like it not to go away. Yeah. AT&T has seen the future, and it's in fuel cells. AT&T will install Bloom Energy servers to run 11 sites in California. Bloom Energy servers are low-cost fuel cells that got national attention on a 60 Minutes piece, if, if you don't know about them. AT&T will begin installations this year. This move will cut carbon dioxide emissions in half and virtually eliminate smog emissions like sulfur. Sulfur? I can't say sulfur today. Sulfur. Sulfur. <laughs> oxides and nitrogen oxides. The Queen's <laughs> accent coming out. Sulfur. Sulfur. <laughs> All right, folks, get ready for Madden Bejeweled and Sims vs. Zombies. What? Electronic Arts has agreed to acquire PopCap Games for $650 million in cash and $100 million in stock, plus some other earnings-based stuff. Could get it up above a billion dollars. We talked about TechCrunch's report that this might happen even though EA had told everyone they were done making big acquisitions. PopCap had indicated it wanted to go IPO in October, so you can take that IPO off your calendar. Sprint and AT&T have been subpoenaed by nine states, count them nine, including New York, Texas, and Florida. The states want Sprint to provide them with the same documents that Sprint has already submitted to the FCC related to AT&T's acquisition of T-Mobile. It's not clear what the states want from AT&T, not yet anyway. Sprint was also subpoenaed by the DOJ's antitrust division. The states can't block the merger, but they can make recommendations to the FCC like, no, please stop. Don't do it. Leave me alone. Google teased at its I.O. conference that changes were coming to the Android market on phones. Well, that's gone live today. The UI has undergone a radical redesign. The app market now includes books and movies. The redesign also means it's easier to find apps. That's crazy, I know. The rollout is coming to phones running Android 2.2 or higher and is expected to hit all users in the weeks ahead. Nice tiles, Google, by the way. It looks right at home on Windows Phone 7. (laughs) It does look very tilish, I gotta admit. Let's move on to the randomizer. Google, Google, Google is a brand new competitor. Google (laughs) Maps, Google Maps mistakes a woman's driveway for park entrance. That's the headline on a PC Mag article by Sarah Yin. Apparently, poor Lori Nielding lives in a log cabin near a New York State park, and Google Maps mistakenly identified the long driveway that leads to her log home that borders the Round Valley State Park as the entrance to the park, starting to send people up to her house, going, how do I get in the park? Is she good at baking? Because she could possibly get a lot of money out of this. Seriously, she's complaining that Google isn't responsive in fixing the error. She should be capitalizing on this. Blueberry muffins? Family from Idaho, come in. Little smallest park. Set up every time. A whole table of goodies. It's a fantastic idea. Lemonade stand. A souvenir stand. (laughs) I visited the wrong place again. You know how many SEO experts out there are killing themselves trying to get Google to send this kind of traffic their way? Killing themselves? I visited the wrong kind of traffic. You know, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> I think you're right. It is the wrong kind of traffic. Anyway, uh, hopefully, uh, Google has has said, Google spokeswoman Deanna Yick said the Maps product team was aware of Neilding's situation and working to correct it, but couldn't provide a timeline because it depended on the type of change and how extensive it was, which is, in other words, yeah, 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 we're scrambling. Yeah, it's annoying if it's if it's your driveway. I can, I can see her point. On to the calendar. 
Julian Assange's extradition hearing has begun. He's he has arrived. a nice new haircut. I don't know if you noticed. I Fancy. didn't notice that. Yeah. No. That just looks like a, his old haircut, actually. He's arrived at the Royal Courts of Justice on the first day of a high court bid to avoid extradition. Amazon Prime for students is now 50% off. It's 39 bucks annually. That's a good deal. Android 3.2 hits the Wi-Fi Motorola Zooms today. And remember that SD slot that didn't work? Now it should be working after the update. Google has launched offers in San Francisco, Oakland, and New York. San Francisco, Oakland, and New York. Oaktown! Till I die. Represent. 510. Nickel dime. More <laughs> offers. <laughs> Too short. AT&T has launched the Sony Ec- Ericsson Xperia Play with gingerbread and an option to buy it in blue, just like Tom Merritt's eyes, everyone. Blue play. My so eyes dreamy. actually mysterious gray. They're cerulean. They're cerulean. <laughs> Actually, they're not cerulean. That would be weird. That would be. I'd look like a lobster. Neptune was discovered one Neptunian year ago today. And you might say, well, how many Earth years is that? That's 165 of your Earth years long. Wait, are you from Neptune? What's it to you? You're a mere mortal. I'm not a prejudice. You can't handle the truth. You can still keep your job. Just... The Nintendo video arrives on Japanese 3DS tomorrow. Netflix later this summer, which is the same time that the American version should hit. And the Sony S1 tablet is up for pre-order in the UK on September 1st. Oh, and you know what? Netflix Europe is uh, is going to debut in January 2012. So let's hope that everything stays cool with Netflix <laughs> before then. Netflix six everywhere. months. All right. Keep it hey, together. A couple quick emails. Uh, first from Chris, who lives in Sweden and has awesome broadband and has to rub it in our faces. Uh, he says he has four laptops in the house, one of which is about a foot away from him. He uses his Android phone, however, to access the, access the internet probably 75% of the time. Uh, he uses apps like Reader, G+, Twitter, Facebook, My Sixth Sense for news and blogs, Dogcatcher and Twit apps for podcasts, Gmail's logged in all the time. His main use case for his laptops is for Splingbox and Netflix, and just wanted to point out that it's not due to a lack of access to broadband, but convenience that makes him surf the web using his phone. This is in response to that story we talked about yesterday. People using the phone as their main point of access. Next email, also from Chris. Hi, team. A quick bit of news from New Zealand. Our own copyright infringing file sharing act, Three Strikes, is due to come into force on September 1st, 2011. Today we've learned that the fee for rights holders to make an accusation or a complaint will be at least $20 per notice, possibly $25. Furthermore, it looks like there'll be a fee of $200 to take the complaint to the tribunal. Also of note is while the act starts on September 1st, anyone can get notices for infringing from 21 days before that date so kiwis need to behave after august 10th after august 10th mates <laughs> i enjoy that thank you chris no more uh, downloading the rug- rugby torrents 20 bucks to file a complaint so i mean it's at least an incentive to have a good complaint right yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's fair to say. Look, if you want to, rec- you know, if you supposedly are losing billions of dollars on piracy, you can spend twenty bucks to go after somebody, right? Yeah, this right. Is, that's a barrier. It's a small barrier for, for the major companies, but like, if if you're just a content producer, this gets annoying. Like, let's yeah, say, it actually hurts the small as, guy. If you're that's a small point. guy, like, why why is there a barrier for this? Yeah. All right, fine. Now I hate it. Hey, uh, thanks to everybody who contributes to our Reddit. Uh, we have let me let me check the latest stats. Oh wait, How, why did I I never close that? Technewstoday.reddit.com. Is That's the place how easy to go. it is to get there. Yeah, one thousand two hundred fifty six readers uh, voting stuff up and down. Thanks to Stephen Three X, John Eight Eight Three, Pete C, Captain Kipper, Cy Spud, Port Tech, and more for submitting stories. There, we really appreciate folks getting in there and either submitting stories or just 
just voting on what stuff they want to hear. And if you would like to do even more, if you would like to be even farther involved in Twit, if you would like to become a part of Twit, like a piece of Twit that holds up a wall, say a brick, you can go to bricks.twit.tv, and it's it's just like buying a brick for a stadium. People do that for you know when when yeah. the when the major league baseball teams or the football teams they buy a brick, they get emblazoned forever. You too could say Leo Laporte, Chief Twit, or anything okay. you want on a brick. So that's uh, right. You know what? Ooh, Call yourself Chief Twit. But we'll still put it up on the wall on a yeah. brick. Don't confuse the two. Don't submit stories on bricks and buy Reddit's. I want a brick. You should get a brick. Bricks I dot, brick. bricks dot. I, I, I'm very excited by those bricks. They're physical. There they, aren't a lot of things you can do online that give you something physical. This exactly. is offline life right there. Bricks.twit.tv turns the internet into bricks. <laughs> think about it. Brick by brick. Lance, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to be on the show today. Really appreciate it. Uh, let folks know uh, where they can find you and how they can keep up with you. Uh, well, right now, uh, to the end of the month, you can still find me at PCMag.com. But uh, for uh, everything that I'm thinking and seeing a lot around the tech world, it's going to be Twitter. Uh, Lance Yulinoff on Twitter. That's a great way to find and follow me. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching or listening, however you consume the show. We appreciate you taking the time to, to let us update you. Tech News Today is found at twit.tv slash TNT. You can email us, TNT at twit.tv, or give us a call, 260-TNT-SHOW. Only nine more TNTs before we move into the new studio. We'll see you tomorrow. Breaking out the dance moves. Brilliant.